Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Usually in week one, what we do is a big background to the book, but because we're only in it for three weeks, we're not going to do that. And I just want to encourage you that on our podcast, Phoebe McKenzie preached an unbelievable message, uh, only goes for 15 minutes, all about the background of the book of Ephesians. It, she's a smart woman. And, uh, and so it's really fantastic. May 28 was that one. Just go back and listen to the Chapel Tamworth podcast to hear Phoebe preach that if you want to get the background. But otherwise, let's open your Bibles or look at the screen. We're going to go from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. I'm reading from the NLT this morning. It says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, Paul was a Jew, so he's saying we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, that's us, that's everyone who's not a Jew, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised And that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, I pray that for all of us, Lord, we would understand your grand plan. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand your grand plan for the all created things and everything that exists. Help us to get a handle on that plan this morning, if that's even possible for us to grasp. Lord, help us to get a handle on the grand plan for our lives. And Lord, I pray that we'd get a handle on the grand plan for eternity. Lord, we pray that you'd silence any distraction in us, Lord. We pray for receptive hearts and we pray for an expectant hope this morning. And we trust that you're able to do all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wanted to call the first part of the message the grand plan, but then... As I was thinking of, well, what would the second part be called? The only words that gave me that were kind of not grand were like inferior or secondary or minor, and it's not that. And so I've just, every part of this message is going to be called the grand plan. But there's part A, there's part B, and there's part C. Uh, But they're not parts as in linear. So for those of us who have linear thinking and we need to go that A is the most important, then we move to part B, then we move to part C. No, 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 no. They just all coexist. And in fact, there's many more great parts to this grand plan. I'm just going to be holding up a little bit of God's Word and turning it a little bit so that you'll see that facet of it. But actually, there's so many parts to this grand plan that we can even fathom. But I'm going to hold up three to you this morning. I just want to give a broad disclosure that there's a loaded word in the passage that we read, uh, not in our version, but predestination will come across that word. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to skate straight across the top of it, okay? And, uh, and if you're, you don't, you've never heard of that word, you won't, it won't bother you. But if you are someone who has a great passion about that word in either direction, then um, I'm sorry, we're just going to skate across it. Uh, but I will tell you that 
it'll be a good idea to go and listen to the message, The Elect for the Sake of the Many, that's on our YouTube channel. So we're going to go straight into the grand plan A. Grand plan A. Verse 9 says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything. Someone say everything. (laughs) Do you love that? Do you love it when the preacher tells you what to say? Great. Okay, cool. I'm going to do it again. Together, under the authority of Christ, everything, say everything. Yeah, come on now. In heaven and on earth, he is going to bring everything together. Now, I don't know if you've kind of heard this as a platitude, something like, all things will work out in the end. Has anyone ever told you that? All things will work out in the end. And depending on your level of pain and your circumstance or what you're going through, you kind of might be on the edge of, Yeah, I received that. That's totally true all the way through to the spectrum of I want to punch you in the face right now, depending on how you're feeling or anywhere in between. Um, It it feels like a pleasure. Oh, everything will work out in the end. We're like, really? You might have heard this one. Everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Now, if you've ever said that to me, I forgive you. Uh, I'm not mad at you, not anymore. Uh, No, actually, I know I receive it in the spirit that you meant it, which is simply full of faith that nothing is wasted. You mean that whatever God, um, he's able to work out everything for our good, no matter what it looks like. Uh, That's what you mean by everything happens for a reason. But sometimes it can feel a bit trite if we're going through something deep and hard. But it says here that he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Now this can spin us off on a journey. If God is bringing everything together, we ask questions like, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there an existence of evil? If God is in control and bringing everything together, then why do these bad things happen? And I want to tell you this morning that I believe that those, that kind of question is best happen in conversations. I could stand up here and tell you all my thoughts and that might inform the conversation, but it's best to have a conversation and a discussion about that. And that's part of why we have Connect, so that you can have discussions like that. And if you've got someone who just talks the whole time in your Connect, then maybe remind them that that's the reason we have Connects, is so we can have conversations. Say that respectfully to them. But, but it raises big questions for us, big questions about the intention of God. Is that the same? Is His foreknowledge the same as His foreknowledge? Is it all the same or, or, or is, is it just the evil that's happening over here? And God, like, well, how does it all work? How does it fit together? And yet it says that everything is going to come together under Christ. Romans eleven thirty six says this, For everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. In the NIV, it says it like this, For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. All things, everything for Him, by Him, to Him, through Him, all things held together. And Him is Jesus. It's all. That is the reality. But the text that we read says that that a future day is coming when all things will be put under the authority of Jesus Christ. But it says that right now, all things are being held together for Him, through Him by Him, to Him. You may say, Brian, look around. The death, decay, suffering, evil. The world does not look like all things are being held together by Him. And this is what we need to understand about the already not yet component to what has happened on the earth. You see, God is showing up miraculously all over the place. 
He is working all things for good. Uh, Dad's told me a story. He's in um, Dallas at the moment. No, he's not. He's in Texas. Some, he said it's like the Moree of Texas. So it's like 100,000 because everything's bigger in Texas, but it's a country town out in the back blocks of Texas. And he said that they were telling him that when white missionaries, white colonial list had come through, hadn't yet, had not yet come through, no missionaries had yet arrived, but when missionaries came to the people that were there, already living there, that they found crosses and that the people that were there were um, venerating, they were, they were worshipping this God of the cross. And, uh, and the, they, the, these missionaries said, how did you know about this? And they said, this is in the 1600s. They said, a lady in a blue dress has been visiting us and teaching us about Jesus. And she's been praying for us and we've been getting healed. And we've heard the gospel and we've put our faith and trust in Jesus. And at the same time in Spain, a woman called Santa Maria de Jesus de Agreda. I'm sorry, Steph. I'm just sorry. <laughs> Any Spanish speaking people in our congregations, I'm sorry. Um, that, that, that actually she had been praying and she, in her prayers and in her moments of meditation before the Lord, she would go and visit a people that she'd never seen who were, um, didn't know anything about Jesus and she would preach to them about Jesus. And then when white people finally show up to that place and missionaries finally show up, they actually hear about this woman in blue. She was a, a nun who their order wore blue. Like, my goodness. Now that's still happening today. Muslim groups are reporting that Jesus is showing up in their midst. Worshippers of the occult are reporting that Jesus is coming and preaching to them. You might have two reactions to this. One might be looking at the person next to you and going, I'm sorry, I've just received an emergency phone call. I need to leave. It might be freaking you out. Or you might be like, Bron, if Jesus can do that, I just need him to do it for me. I'll believe if you'll just show up. Oh, I just need him to show up right now and show himself to me and then I'll believe. But maybe the way that God has shown up for you today is to bring you into this place to hear about his word. And, and he says that those who believe without seeing are even more blessed. And so maybe that's how he wants to show up for you today. He is working all things. He's showing up in diverse places and in strange ways and in ways that we can't explain because it says here, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. This is Colossians chapter one. It says, He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything He might have the supremacy. He is working on this macrocosmic, galactic, universal scale of bringing all things together under Him. And yet, let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. It says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs in your head are all numbered. So here is the God of all creation, pulling all things together now and sustaining all things now, but one day will bring all things under him who also is taking care of your all things right now, that he knows when a sparrow falls. He narrows it down to sparrows. He narrows it down to the hairs on your head. When um, 
I had my accident. I got picked up by a wave and dropped on my head onto a sandbank. And when I had a shower, a clump of hair fell out. And um, I went to the hairdresser a couple of weeks later and, uh, and she was combing my hair and this little tiny <laughs> cockatoo scenario was going on um, with my hair. And I went, what happened? I thought she'd like slipped with something. And she's like, oh, I think that's where you fell and your hair's broken out. I, I didn't know for weeks after that that's what had happened. But God knew at the time, God's hand was on me at the time to ensure that my life was spared, to ensure that my health was okay in that moment. I didn't even know. And yet he knew the hairs that had fallen out of my head. And if you're bald this morning, you can say amen. <laughs> this macro, cosmic, galactic, universal scale of God holding all things together, but also holding all your things. It says in our text this morning, the grand plan part B is furthermore, verse 11, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God for He chose us in advance and He makes everything work out according to His plan. It might be more familiar to you from Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. All things are working together for your good, is what God says. He's got all things coming together, but He's also got all your things. And the degree that that is head knowledge or goes to heart knowledge is the degree that we will let circumstances shift that. If you're breezy, easy, lemon squeezy, what? Um, if you're no worries whatsoever, you don't need this to become heart knowledge because you don't need to feel that, oh God, in the midst of this, you're working all things together for my good. But when you get bad news or when a situation extends that you think that it shouldn't be happening or when you're betrayed or when you're lonely or when you're slandered, if that lasts for any long period of time and you don't quit, you stay following Jesus, you hang in there, you will go from hating the circumstance to noticing the good that God is doing through the circumstance. You'll be seeing the good from it. You'll see good things that would not have happened if that terrible thing had not have happened. You will see that without it, God would not have given you this opportunity. Without it, God would not have developed your character in this way. And in time, you might even get to the point where you're like James, who says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You might say, Bron, now you're just being silly. <laughs> As if I'm going to consider it pure joy when I face trials of many kinds. But I tell you right now, we can get to this place where we arrive on a scene of bones that have been picked clean of any meat that we thought would sustain us. And we just get among those bones and suck the marrow out. We're like, someone start the slow cooker. We're making a bone broth because I need to get every last bit of goodness out of these bones that are here. And I'm not sure about the metaphor. <laughs> but... We say, if this is the result that I can be mature and complete and not lacking in anything, then my answer to this trial, God, is yes, I'll have it. I'll have it. If I can be, if I can last, then I'll have it. So this God of the macro, cosmic, galactic, universal world who is holding all things together is also working all things for my good. 
It's amazing. So I want to bring us to a place because that's an amazing place to live where you're like, oh, okay, there's a trial. God, let it do in me what you want it to do. That's a great place to live. But let me tell you that there's a place that even as a Christian we can get to where we feel some kind of malaise, some kind of lowness, where we just get down. And you're like, oh, is this all there is? I'm talking about people who have put their trust in Jesus. Where you think, think oh, I just... I thought there'd be more than this, where maybe you're like, I'm still struggling with that. Man, I thought I'd be done with that by now. Or a thought pops into your head and you're like, oh God, I know that that's not what you want for my thought life. Or you say a word comes out of your mouth and you're like, I thought I'd gotten over that. I'm I'm feeling like it's just me. (laughs) Is there anyone else in the room? Okay, thank you, thank you. Locations make some noise. I just, okay, thank you. But it's just like, Okay, I love you, Jesus. And I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about where you've gone cold in your faith. I'm not talking about where you're a lazy Christian and you show up on Sundays every now and then and you don't touch anything to do with God apart from that. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people who have lived for Jesus, love Him, read His Word, pray and still feel this, God, is there more? Is there something more? And, and the reason that this comes upon us is because yes, there is. There is. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He said, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. So when we sense that, when we have those feelings, when we wonder where the change is at, it is because, yes, there's more to come. And this is the grand plan part C. God who is holding all things together, but one day will bring them together under Him. God who is working all things together for your good also is planning you for something more. Ephesians 1 verse 13, the grand plan part C, it says, And when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Christ, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Let's try and unpack as we head home this morning. Not home, home, just ending the message. The grand plan, A, is that there's this microcosmic plan to bring all things together under Christ's authority at the appointed time. B, is that in the meantime, He's bringing all things under Christ's authority for me. That's happening speedily and that's happening gradually. It's happened all at once, but it's also working out across my life. But then also see something is coming beyond anything we ask, hope or imagine here and then. Both things. That's what's happening. Grand plan A, B and C. Let's read verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 1. It says, And when you heard the word of truth, we just read it, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Christ, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. I've got a good seal joke. Does anyone want to hear it? Okay. (laughs) I'm getting a bit heavy. We'll just quick joke break, everybody. Um, Those of you who want to press on, I'm sorry. Okay. So, okay, right. So there's this guy, an old guy who was driving. No offence, old people who drive. But he was driving and he pranged his car, pranged it straight into this like massive Hummer. And so these big dudes got out of the Hummer and they're like, 
you need to pay for this. We need $10,000 right now. And the old guy said, I don't have $10,000. And they said, if you don't give us $10,000, we're going we're to take care of you and you will end up in the boot of your car and no one will ever find you. And he's like, oh my goodness, can I call my son? He, um, like he trains dolphins. He's a dolphin trainer and he's got heaps of money. And they said, yep, sure, bring him to us. And, and so he calls his son and says, oh, son, I'm sorry. I've gotten into a prank. Can you come down, please? And so his son comes down, he looks at these two big guys and all of a sudden, Wah-ha, boom, boom. Yeah, that's a, not a dance move, like he throat, elbow, punch to the face. Took care of them, cleaned them up, put them in their own boot and turned to his dad and said, Dad, two things. One, like, you need to stop driving. You need to hand in your licence. Two, it's not dolphins, it's seals, Navy seals. I'm a Navy seal trainer. <laughs> You were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit who is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. You were marked with the seal. Let's go to Esther chapter 8 verse 8 to think about what that means to those people at that time. Esther 8 verse 8. Now write another decree in the king's name and behalf of the Jews as seems best to you and seal it with the king's signet ring for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And for so long as you have the seal of the Holy Spirit, it cannot be revoked. This Holy Spirit. Now we just need to pause for a second because the Holy Spirit, the beautiful Holy Spirit, He is the teacher, He is the advocate, He is the counsellor, He is the helper, He will lead us into all truth. He is our guide, He is our friend, He is with us all the time, He is our empowerer, that is the Holy Spirit. But in this passage, in our passage today, it refers to the Holy Spirit as a down payment of all that is to come. I am sorry, but the Holy Spirit is the best. (laughs) He says here, He's the down payment. What must the full inheritance be, church? If that's the case, what are we waiting for? What is it going to look like when you sell your house to me, Eckert's, for a very much reduced price? I will give you a down payment to secure that purchase. Five bucks. <laughs> and given that you're selling it to me for 50, that's 10%. The down payment that secures the purchase is nothing compared to the fullness. And so we have all of God right now in the Holy Spirit, but there's a day coming that we can't even fathom. You feel like in this Christian life, there must be more. Because there is, there's more coming. It says our full redemption is coming in this passage. It says our full redemption is coming. Are we already redeemed? I am redeemed. I sing about it. I am redeemed. Yes, you are. But you're still being redeemed. And one day those thoughts that pop into your mind, those actions that you feel like you should be past now, the struggle that you have is going to be no more because you will be fully redeemed. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 to 22, it says, But it is God who establishes us together with you in Christ and who anointed us, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a down payment. I'll read it from the NLT. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and He has identified us as His own 
and by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first instalment that guarantees everything He has promised us. First instalment, are you kidding me? Romans 8 verse 20, it says, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Derek Wilson, part of our 8.30 service, he sent me an email when he heard about my broken neck. And it was so beautiful. It was like this brotherly, awesome email. He's like, Bron, these are the vitamins and the minerals that you need for good bone health to help your healing journey. And I was like, I just felt so cared for in the moment. I was like, when I was in year six and I broke my wrist, no one sent me the vitamins and the minerals that I needed for my wrist to heal. He's sending it to me because I'm, I have 43-year-old bones now. And he's looking at me and going, I think you need some help with your bone healing. My body is waiting to be released from sin and suffering. I'm waiting for a day when... I don't have to control my thoughts and and choose to think right. There will be a day when I don't have to choose that. It will just happen completely naturally. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. Now, why is that important? We're about to wrap. There's three phrases, repeated phrases in Ephesians chapter 1. To the praise of the glory of His grace. To the praise of His glory, verse 12. To the praise of His glory, verse 14. Verse 6, 12 and 14 all have to the praise of His glory. Everything, all things being held together and one day put under Him. All our things working together for good. Our eternity is for His glory. It's for His glory. And I'm the first person to always remind myself and remind us that as humanity, we are not built for glory. That celebrity culture shows us and even Christian celebrity culture shows us that when we try to carry glory rather than giving it to God, we fall under that weight because we were never meant to carry it. I'm the first person to acknowledge that. But as I've been reading through the book of Ephesians, I realise that we aren't made to carry glory, but we are being made to carry glory. We are being made to carry it. It says here in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Glory is coming. Glory to glory is not a prosperity gospel statement. It is a reality, a supernatural reality that is taking place that we can cooperate with or we can put a ceiling on. That is what is happening right now. Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and accord according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. So church, may you understand as we go through Ephesians that He is heading all things up right now, but one day fully and finally. May you understand that He is working all things for your good right now, but one day fully and finally. 
May You know that You carry this glory now, but one day fully and finally. Let me just read verse 13 and 14 from Ephesians chapter 1. When you heard the Word of Truth, the Gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Christ, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.